0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And let's start where we usually end, with a point of application. I want you to come next week and hear how the gospel is being advanced through our partners, the layers. Because as we will see today, when we partner together in striving for Christ's gospel, we share in the progress of his gospel. And when we partnered in striving together, struggling together and straining forward for the advancement of the gospel, we share in the fruit and the treasures and the success of his gospel. it's kind of like supporting a baseball team you know usually we support the team of the area we live in right i wasn't raised here in detroit i was raised in georgia close to atlanta in the 90s when the braves were really good really really good they won the division like over 10 years in a row won the World Series. We had perhaps three of the greatest pitchers ever on the team at the same time. They call them the big three. And so even now, as we're traveling around and we go through the airport, and I see someone with Atlanta Braves cap, get a little, little sense of pride. Little, yeah, I see ya. I even saw a guy in Japan with a hat, American guy, with a Braves hat in Japan. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. And we live in Detroit now, so I cheer for the Tigers, but it's a little different than cheering for the Braves in the 90s, right? We share in the joy of victory or the agony of defeat. And sometimes it feels like partnering with missionaries, supporting missionaries, is like supporting a baseball team, right? Maybe you've got a little picture of the layers in your house to pray for them. You know, you read their updates, you're cheering for them, you're praying for them, but we feel disconnected from them, right? Like we're watching them through a TV screen. And maybe they can't even hear us cheering for them. And maybe sometimes we're tempted to feel like that we're here, we're stuck here, caring for our kids, going to work every day while they are the ones out on the mission field playing ball with everyone's eyes on them. And when they have a win, you know, we feel a little bit of joy, but they're the ones who are really reaping the rewards. But as we see in Philippians, the Lord does something different when he brings people partnering together for the gospel than when people support a baseball team. And that's what Paul is trying to, one of the things he's trying to communicate to the church in Philippi, his, his longest and most, his closest supporters. And so he even opens, if you look in chapter 1, verse 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. All of them, every single one. And then he moves on to show this affection he has for them, starting in verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. they had heard of his imprisonment, they might pause there. (laughs) Oh, wait, Uh, Paul's in jail? (laughs) I was hoping to hear, you know, I I preached, you know, and I can't think of the Greek word, the theater last week, and, you know, 10 people got saved and baptized. And he even says, you are partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment. That is, it's not the same kind of grace. Literally, the grace Paul is receiving as he's doing his work is the grace his partners are receiving. And as we're seeing, it doesn't look like we would expect. Now, once again, when we partner together in striving for Christ's gospel, we share the unstoppable progress of his gospel, progress that doesn't always look like progress. And so we have that one gospel that Paul will use and show us, that he will show us two ways in which it advances in order to urge us to cling to three things. So we're going to go ahead and read our text for today. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12, all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 30. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as Always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. For his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. I mean, Paul really wants the Philippians and us to know that getting slapped in chains and thrown in prison is good. Verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That being put in stasis, being put in hold, unable to move, is moving the gospel forward. And so we see in verses 12 through 8 that when we partner together in striving for the gospel, we share in the progress of the gospel across the globe. When we partner with others in striving and straining forward for the gospel of Christ, we share in the progress of the gospel across the globe. I mean, that's why you sent us to Japan before, right? (laughs) We had, as a church, been partnered together to bring the gospel to this community for years. And you said, okay, we're going to keep on that mission. We're going to press for it and send some of our own out. And so what we did while we were there was the work of Christ through Not just Joel and Misty, but this church. And it didn't always look like what we would want it to. Maybe you remember I was having a Bible study with a young man called Kanta. And it seemed very likely that maybe a couple months before we came back, he would be baptized. But he wasn't. And in fact... I'm not sure how many of you have told. A couple months before we left, instead of a baptism, we did a church discipline. We had to confront someone in the church with a very serious sin and call him to repent. And he left the church. Not quite the ninth inning I had been hoping for. Hmm? But Paul wants us to know, Christ wants us to know, the mission is always succeeding. The gospel is always going forth. That we share, because of our partnership, in the defeat of our enemies. Defeat that does not look like defeat. Verse 12, and 13, right? He's slapped in chains. He's in prison. If you went and asked the, you know, the, the guard, hey, is he? who's winning right now? <laughs> They'd say, we are. We got him in chains. We got him in prison. But Paul says, guess what? <laughs> it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ that they tried to snuff out his message (laughs) and it made it go further that the imperial guard of, at the time, the greatest nation on earth now knows of Christ and his gospel because they arrested him. I mean, what kind of updates do we not want to hear from our gospel partners? Let's be frank, right? You know, it's our fifth year of trying to get permanent residency and we still don't have it. You know, six years of preaching and not one baptism. That is defeat, but not of the gospel. because opposition from outside the church cannot stop the work of Christ. It cannot. All it can do is make it go further. And so we also, as we partner with others, share in the victory of our brothers. Sometimes victory that does not even look like victory. I mean, think about pitching, right? There's usually someone on the team who's the best pitcher, right? The ace pitcher. (laughs) But when they, you know, they start the game and they're worn out, wow, it's just a rough game, (laughs) or maybe there's an injury, we gotta start calling people in from the bullpen, right? And sometimes if the team is doing really poorly, you know, it's the new pitcher every inning. (laughs) Two pitchers every inning, right? And maybe they're pitching with different motivations. Hmm? Some of them get out there and they go, wow, our team is really struggling. Okay, maybe I can turn this around, you know. Max is out, our ace is out. I gotta get in there and bolster the team. While others go, this is it, this is my chance. I've been in Max's shadow for so long now. Time for Coach to see what I can do. I mean, sure, maybe they start winning the game. But from a coaching standpoint, that's not the kind of unity we want on the team. And that's what we see here at the church. Some brothers are confident and bold and preaching from love. Declaring the gospel from love, wow, you know, Jeff got hit by a bus. Someone's got to, you know, fill the pulpit. He's called ministry of the gospel just like the other elders, so, you know, I'm going to fill in the gap. Or maybe, all right, it's my turn. And Paul says... This is victory. I mean, that striving is revealing their hearts, right? (laughs) Maybe they were a church before Paul was arrested who thought we are on the same page. We are on the same mission. We are doing things for the same reason. And then crisis happened, and now it is clear Even if we are all going for the same good goal, there's still work to be done in some of our hearts, in all of our hearts. But division within the church, just like opposition outside of the church, cannot stop the work of Christ that we share when we partner with others in the unstoppable advancement of Christ. Advancement that may not even look like advancement. But Paul chooses to rejoice. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, truth Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. That whether opposition from without or division within, nothing stops the work that Christ has begun and continues to do. So then should we not partner with those who rejoice in the advance of the gospel over the success of their own strategy or personality or brands? Should we not urge them to keep preaching the gospel even if we see no fruit of what we think of as success? Should we not find joy in how Christ Executes his mission. You might have read a couple months ago that the church in Izumi had their first baptism. Someone started inviting their friend. She came, heard the gospel, believed, and was baptized. (laughs) And at, that, at this time, none of us were there. Misty and I weren't there. But you sent us, and we spent two years as an extension of you preaching the gospel, strengthening that church. A church that had to discipline one of its own. In the end, the Lord blessed us now to see how that made the church a healthy gospel witness. We might not always see it, but the gospel is always going forth across the globe. And so when we partner with others in that striving, we share in its success. Well, that's one way the gospel advances. I said there's two. And so now Paul pivots this pivot of joy in verse 18 (laughs) To show us that when we partner in striving for the gospel, we share in the progress of the gospel in our own hearts. Now, when we partner with others in struggling and striving for the advancement of Christ's gospel, we share in the progress and the fruit and the advancement of the gospel in our own hearts. I mean, missionaries... Leave the field for many, many reasons. Hmm? I mean, we maybe change jobs or move for many, many reasons, right? We have visions of career advancement and success. (laughs) We have dreams of what we want to do. We even find our dream job until we start working there and discover it's not our dream job. Parents get sick and we must care for them. The economy is a roller coaster. But a lot of times, because we live here in a place with a decent-ish job market, especially in the auto industry, You don't like working at one piece of the auto industry, go find a job at another piece of the auto industry. And a lot of times it's an advantage, like, oh wow, yeah, you're coming from Ford, we'd love to have you. (laughs) But when someone takes their entire family and moves halfway around the world, it's a bit more of a shock to move back, to be taken off the field. And that's what Paul is hoping for in verses 18 through 26. Is it not? He's looking forward to not just getting out of jail so that he can keep preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth, but so that he can come back to Philippi. (laughs) And so he's reminding them that because they are partners, they are sharing in the victory of their brother, Paul. I mean, we even, in verse 19, starting in 18, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers. If you think prayer doesn't do anything, read Philippians. <laughs> because Paul is convinced. I mean, and. In the intro, I didn't read all the way through verse nine and ten. He says Christ's gonna finish the work, is gonna finish the work in them, and then he starts praying for it. <laughs> and here he is saying, "I'm going to be delivered because you pray for me," and that no matter what happens, Christ will be victorious. Right? I mean, we said. It doesn't seem like he's winning because he's stuck in jail right now. And if in a few months' time or a few years, I didn't do the math on when Philippians was written versus when Paul was executed, (laughs) he's going to be executed. And if you ask the royal guard then who won, (laughs) well, looks like we did. We stuck him in jail and we cut off his head. <laughs> He's not preaching the gospel anymore. But Paul says in verse 20, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, whether beat or imprisoned or killed or mocked, no shame. But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The Braves almost had four amazing pitchers on the team at one time. I think I might still have a poster somewhere. Call them the four aces. 1993, they hired the fourth guy on. Very promising. And then that year he got injured. Career ending injury. And so, in the end, the Braves probably had a little less victory than they hoped for, a little less glory than we wanted. Little, you know, we only ended up with one, um, not Super Bowl, World Series win. (laughs) But Paul is saying, if I recover... (laughs) or am retired from the game, I am victorious. Christ is magnified. And we see that, as his gospel partners, the Philippian church also shares in the defeat of Paul's enemies, of really the biggest enemy Paul has. Because in verse 21 through 24, we see a struggle in Paul's own heart. And we know he's opening up his heart for us to see that struggle because later in the letter he's going to talk about following his example. Okay? So look, starting in verse 21, who, and the question for you, who's, who's the enemy here? He gave us a hint in the first section when he was talking about the brothers preaching. And he said they had one of two motivations. Selfless love or selfish love. And we see here that Paul is wrestling with a good desire. (laughs) I mean, there are I have had a number of jaw-dropping conversations with missionaries and former missionaries saying things like, yeah, there's a lot of money to be made in missions. That's not what Paul wants. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ. And he's not puffing up his chest <laughs> to say, yeah, you know, Nathan, pfft. He wants money. Whatever. I want Christ. <laughs> he's, he's pointing to what all the redeemed, what we really want, what we're really looking for, whether we can articulate it or not. We, we want our Lord. All joy. I mean, in chapter 4, he'll say, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things because those draw us to see Christ, the source of all joy. But Paul recognizes, right now, that's his desire, but it's not Christ's. Christ still wants him on the field. Christ still wants him in the game. And so in this case, the fact that he desires the best thing there is to desire, if he does not submit that desire, he loses. And so... We see that this church that has been partnering with him for years, that has been supplying his needs, pushing him you know, down the road to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth, they are the instrument of Christ to get Paul to where he is in jail, where he must wrestle with his own heart. I mean, we like to think that our motives are pure because we want pure things, right? Our friends and family to know Christ, to confess Him as Lord. Our church to grow in maturity and numbers. (laughs) To have, as missionologists define it, successful missionaries. (laughs) To care for our families, to provide for them. Healthy bodies. But we see that we are not on mission for ourselves. That it is possible for good desires to be driven by selfish motives. But just as division in the church cannot stop the work of Christ, neither can division in our own hearts. That we share. As we partner with others in the unstoppable advancement of Christ in our hearts. And so we see in verses 25 and 26 advancement that might not look like advancement. Paul says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. Capping off what is perhaps the weirdest missionary update letter ever. I don't wanna be here, I don't wanna be with you guys. I want to be in heaven, but I guess if i got to go somewhere, I'm going to come off the field and be back with you. (laughs) Whether we're called forth or called back, nothing can stop the work that Christ has begun and continues to do in us and through us as we partner together. So should we not rejoice as Paul did that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion and one of the ways he will do it is through our gospel partners that next week when the layers come to speak to us it is a unique grace prepared by Christ for Union Lake Baptist Church to make us and them more like him. Should we not rejoice that we can work out our salvation together because God works in us? That we can press on to take hold of Christ's righteousness and life because he has taken hold of us. I mean, some of the people in this area that I most respect and benefit from are former missionaries who left the field for various reasons whether it was hitting retirement age or their parents got sick. I mean, I'll be frank and honest. When I was 20-something, I don't even remember when, (laughs) many years, I was convinced I would go to Japan and labor there until I died and that nothing would bring me back. I even thought, well, I have other siblings. They can take care of my parents. But those, those former missionaries that I respect, that I trust, the Lord used them to show me. It's not my mission. It's not our mission. It's His. It's His. And so since Christ grants us a part in the gospel's progress, let us strive as partners for His gospel. This is how Paul is rounding out that theme, right? That when we partner together, we share in the success of the gospel. He ends chapter 1 with verses 27 through 30 to encourage us that since Christ grants us a part in the gospel's progress, in his gospel's progress, let's go. Let's grab hands and go, and so I said, there's three things we look to push forward to, to cling to. Let's strive side by side in one spirit. Let's, as he starts off in verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side, for the faith of the gospel. That mind that remembers victory does not always look like victory. We are called to be faithful, yes. We are called, as much as we are given strength, to not be like the brothers mentioned in 12 through 18 who even though they're going for the same thing, they are of two minds, of two spirits. Christ has granted us one spirit through his rejection, being rejected by the world. He has taken us from various backgrounds and upbringings and all the, the, everything we hold in our hearts. All the ways we're different. And he has brought us together to be one. To stand in one spirit, with one mind. To, as he'll say in chapter 2, the same mind of Christ, the one that submits to the will of the Father for the magnification of the gospel and of Christ, or as he'll say, two verse four. Let each of you not uh, look. Bleh. Let each of you look not only to his own interest but also to the interests of others verse 3, in humility count others more significant than yourself. That the desires, the dreams, the good desires of others, the way they want to magnify God or that how God is using them becomes my priority, not my mission, not my gifts. How could we do this right now? Well, chapters two through four talk a lot about doing, but here in chapter one, we're still focused on the mind. And since we're a church, since we've been given to each other, we remind each other of that. Through our example, through our time together, when we feel that things aren't going our way, I mean, let's be frank you roll back the clock five years or 10 years or 15 years, did you think your career path would go the way it has? Hmm? That does not mean we go, well, I don't have to care for my family. I don't have to whatever, so I'm not going to care about when my job goes bad. (laughs) But it does mean, as Paul says in chapter 2, verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And in order to do that, he has given us each other, which means that we will have to be like Paul in chapter 1 and be honest with each other about our motivations and our desires. And Paul makes it look easy because, you know, his desire is 100% apparently (laughs) to be with Christ. And we know that's not always ours. But Christ has given us each other not so that we would be shamed by each other when we stumble, but so that we would be encouraged by each other when we stumble. We also, as we strive side by side in one spirit, we strive side by side towards one salvation. As he says in verse 28, not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. He's talking about their suffering, their persecution. Reminding them that The defeat of the gospel's enemies does not always look like defeat. (laughs) I mean, who are their opponents, anyway? Hmm? I mean, he gave us some hints in chapter 1. But he gives a good definition in chapter 3. Verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Remember, God chooses every single word of his holy scriptures carefully. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Because there are plenty of Christians, And we can be them (laughs) who say we want to live for the Lord, do things for the Lord, and despise his means, his cross, his suffering. But the cross, the obedience of Christ is where we find salvation. (laughs) That Christ has granted us one salvation by his death by his seeming defeat. And so we remind each other as we attempt to cling to Christ and his mission and we feel downcast and downtrodden and beat up that there is victory in suffering. And it's not some kind of silver lining. I mean, you guys know Charlie Brown, right? self-proclaimed worst baseball player ever. And there's one strip where after a particularly great loss, 123 to (laughs) 0, he says to Lucy, I am so sick of losing. And she says, well, cheer up, Charlie Brown. You learn more when you lose than when you win. And Charlie Brown turns and looks at her and yells, well, then I must be the smartest person in the world. That's not the kind of benefit the gospel offers, some kind of silver lining, but that in our strivings and struggles and persecutions and daily dying to our own desires, those are the means by which we are made into the image of Christ. And so we stride side by side, let's strive side by side in one spirit toward one salvation under one Savior. I mean, Sam read for us Ecclesiastes 8. And if you remember from Ecclesiastes, it's this. Thought experiment at, of looking at life without thinking about God. You know, uh, it's under the sun, right? Let's just look at what's going on at life. And the author says, wow, some people do good deeds and they suffer for it. And some people do evil deeds and they're rewarded for it. <laughs> and you could spend all day trying to figure it out and no man can, can discern the works of God. And it feels like that way sometimes as we walk together as a church, as we partner with people across the globe. What in the world is Christ doing right now? He's always advancing his gospel. Always. Every single step, every single day, every single partnership, every single pitfall has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ we would be engaged in the same conflict as our brothers and sisters. That it has been granted to us not only to believe in him, but also to suffer as he has. That we are incapable of bearing the weight of that suffering and our own sin, but he has on his cross. And now his spirit in us Moves us forward. So remember that supporting a missionary is not like supporting a ball team. That the Lord has been doing things in the layers' lives that He is now preparing to reap fruit among us next week. So come next week, prepare your hearts this week to hear how the gospel is being advanced by our partners. So whether that's in your community groups, your own prayer time, as you meditate on the gospel, remember that when we partner with others in striving for Christ's gospel, we share in the progress of his gospel, both around the globe and in our own hearts, so that on that day, We will bask in his glory. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we give you praise and thanks that you are good. We cling to that. That you take sinners, that you make them your own through the obedience and suffering and humiliation of your son. And that you raise them up in glory with him. And we look forward to on that day, as Paul says, when our Savior returns, he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject subject all things to himself. So we ask that you would align our desires with Christ, that we would be bold to proclaim his gospel. His name we pray, amen.